Good to see everybody out this morning. Please take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah and young adults, don't hit the snooze button on me. We've been in that a few times, but uh, I just want to thank the, uh, the pastor for giving me the opportunity uh, to fill in here. If anybody has ever stood where I'm standing right now, you, you know that uh, the, more, the number one thing you feel is complete unworthiness to, to even be here. And uh, I feel that way this morning, but yet, hey, God chose to have me here for this time right now. Matter of fact, I had a guy this week that uh, I told him, hey, the, you know, the pastor's out and they ran out of people to ask, so they... They asked me to fill in. I said, you ought, to, you ought to come and check us out. And he said, yeah. And he, he was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, he was, he, was, he was kidding, and he's a friend. He said, are you going to tell them what you used to do? Are you going to tell them the places you used to go? Are you going to tell them who you used to be? I said, yep, I am. And then right after that, I'm going to tell them what I am now. Because God's grace... Is greater. So take your Bibles uh, this morning, uh, turn to the book of Nehemiah. And I don't know about you, but I love a good success story. It doesn't matter if it's business or sports or ministry. I like to watch documentaries, I like to read books. You know, I like, to, I like the underdog, so to speak. Um, here a while back, it's probably been two or three years ago, the History Channel, Pastor will tell you don't get your doctrine from the History Channel, but I wasn't getting my doctrine. The History Channel had this, had this documentary on the men who built America. The men who built America. And it was J.D. Rockefeller and Carnegie and J.P. Morgan and Henry Ford. And, you know, I was very interested in that. And, and then you think of in sports, Kurt Warner, uh, who, who was cut by the Green Bay Packers and he was... He was stocking groceries at the, at the local grocery store. Well, within four years of him bagging groceries, he's now playing in the Super Bowl. And then you think of people like Steve Currington with Reformers Unanimous Ministry. About somebody who grew up in a Christian home and, and, and went to a Christian school and decided to take a year off, maybe save some money, and turned into a 10-year drug addiction. And, and how he, he came back to the Lord and, and he confessed and repented because that's what happens, right? I mean, once we've accepted Christ as Savior, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're still saved. But we can get off our course. And what he did, he repented and, and he confessed and forsook his sin and he came back and, and God used him to, to create this huge national and international ministry called Reformers Unanimous that helps folks with addictions. But more importantly, it helps folks with a personal relationship. And, I, and I'm convinced that, you know, I, I read these stories and I, and I watch these documentaries and, and my question is, how did these people get it off the drawing board? I mean, how, how did they get from, from, from being behind the, the eight ball, so to speak, and, and, and being down, how did they get people to buy what they were selling? How did they become so successful in what they were doing? And then we'd been studying through Nehemiah. 
And Nehemiah, obviously, you know, you think of Nehemiah, you think of, uh, of rebuilding a wall, and, and, and certainly he got that done. But what we're going to look at is how he got, how did he even get started? What motivated him? What made him to desire to even begin in leading the rebuilding of the wall? And that's what we're going to look at, hopefully, this morning. Because, you know, if you've ever been to a pond or a carp pond or a bass pond, whatever, and you take a rock, and what do you do? You throw it in the pond, and what happens? Plunk. And then what happens? It makes ripples. A ripple effect. And the bigger the rock, the bigger the ripple effect. And as I thought about that, what kind of ripples am I making? What kind of ripples are you making? Because we're all making some. You say, well, this is, you know, the title of the message is because it's called Makings of a Leader. I'll be honest with you, it's not a very good title because it's, it's, it's much more than that. It's, it's, it's being a leader. What makes a leader? And then what makes that leader impact others? How are we? We're impacting somebody. I promise. We, we are impacting somebody. You say, well, I'm not a leader in this and I'm not a leader in that. Somebody is following you. And even while we're a leader, guess what? We're also a follower. So this message is for everybody in here that's leading or following. That kind of gets us all, don't it? We're leading or following. Alan Redpath said this, When God wants to do an impossible task, He takes an impossible man and He crushes him. But sometimes... What we don't know is the backstory. All we see is the fruit, the end result. What made them even begin? You know, we want to read the whole, uh, the, the, we want to see the end of the story, but what made them start? What got them off the drawing board? So, here this morning, kind of what we're looking at is look, what motivates a leader? What impact do you have as a leader? What impact do you have as a follower? You know, we're all called to do certain things as Christians. You know, if you're here this morning and you've accepted Christ as Savior, if, you, if you've seen yourself as a sinner and, you, and you've realized that apart from the grace of God, you're headed to a place called hell. And there is no hope. Because that's what the Bible says, for all the sin that comes short of the glory of God, there's none righteous, no, not one. And if you've accepted that fact, and then you've, you've turned from that, and turned toward the Lord, and put your faith and trust in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're saved, and you've been indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. And, and, and as Christians, that's the definition of a Christian, by the way, a Christ follower, as Christians, we're to do some certain things that we don't even have to pray about or negotiate about or have a small group about. And here are those, some of those things. For example, we're supposed to go ye in all the world and preach the gospel. Mark 16, 15. To every creature. We're supposed to grow in grace and knowledge. 2 Peter 3, 18 says. We're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And love our neighbor as ourself. We're supposed to be holy because He's holy. And one of my favorite... We're supposed to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because this is the perfect and acceptable, perfect will of God. So, so those are non-negotiables. I, I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. But here's what I'm trying to tell you this morning, what I want to challenge you with this morning, before we even get into Scripture, what made Nehemiah do more than that? Because there's people that you can impact. 
that you can lead that I can't lead. There's people that I have an influence on that you'll never have an influence on. That's why God uses people. We're all here for a purpose. We're all here for a reason. And what's that reason? Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 1. We'll read down verses 1 through 7 and then we'll, we'll pray and get right into it. Looks like we've got about an hour and a half left. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. And it came to pass in the month Kislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came. He and a certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are, great, are in great affliction and, and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord of God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now, day and night. For the children of Israel's servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Verse 7, We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning, God. Just thank you and praise you for who you are. Thank you for saving a sinner like me. Thank you for using somebody like me, Lord. I just pray that as we study about one of your men who is a leader and the impact they, had, they made and what impacted them. I pray that we would, we would get some truths there that we could apply to our life on a daily basis. Bless this service, Lord. I pray that you just fill me up and I pray that I would just allow you to work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just a little background the, the, the book of, me, uh, of Nehemiah. God's people were taken into captivity. And of course, this period of time was... Uh, in relation to the Babylonian exile. The temple, was, the temple had been rebuilt, but the walls had not been rebuilt. In the, in the, they were destroyed in lying ruins. And the masses had not returned back because the city was unprotected by the walls. And, and that was a sign of, of, of vulnerability. That was a sign of, of humiliation. Um, that was also a sign of no, no discipline. So it was very important because Proverbs 25, 28 says what? He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. That means anything goes out, anything comes in. So walls is a sign of protection. It's a sign of discipline. So there's a problem. And so Nehemiah had a job as, as the cup to King Artaxerxes. That's about the only time I say that, the whole sermon. So he's cupbearer to the king. So what does that mean? That means he's the taste tester. He ate what the king ate. He drank what the king drank before the king drank it. Because in that day, how do you try to kill a king? You try to poison him. So Nehemiah had a very important job. 
I mean, he was the taste tester. He had to be with the king. I'm sure he had the, the best clothes and the best living quarters, and, and, and he had to be healthy and, and, and look the part. And, and so he, he had a good job. But there came a time that we're going to see here in verse number 2 that Hanani, one of his brethren, is actually his brother, came he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. So here's the first thing, the making of a leader. What's the first thing Nehemiah did? He's got a good job. He's in, the, he's, in a, he's in the Persian king resort. He's cupbearer to the king. He don't have a worry in the world. He's got good insurance. Nothing really should... Life's pretty good. I mean, he, he, he's relaxed. He, he, he's comfortable. And then, his, and, and then his brother comes and visits with some other men and says, hey, this place is a mess. And the cities and the walls are broken down and, and, and life waste in ruins. The first thing he did is he, he communicated. He... He asked. How many times, honestly, think about this. He asked. How many times do we, somebody brings us something, or, or we, we meet someone, and we don't even ask. Hey, how's it going? How, how you been back there? So he, so he asked, how's it going back there? What's the economy like? How, how are the walls? How many times have you, uh, whether you were calling a company or, 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 or maybe a state agency in most cases. But anyway, you call somebody and they answer the phone and the, and the receptionist says they're here, but they're unavailable. That phone call didn't you do, do you any good, did it? I mean, they're there, but they're unavailable. What I'm, what I'm telling you is, Nehemiah, the makings of a leader, he communicated he was available. He, he was available. A lot of times we're just not available. We're busy. We got things going on. There's life happens. We have family, and, 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 and when we got games, and we got school, and there's a lot of stuff going on, but we're just not available. Nehemiah was available. He asked about the people and their situation. He took the time. You got to remember, this was 140 years ago. I mean, Nehemiah didn't live there, Nehemiah didn't grow up there. He, he's asking about something that, that really wouldn't even concern him per se, other than he was chosen. Okay? That'd be like me and you uh, talking about someone with the uh, going back and, 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 and asking someone about the Civil War. And, and you, you follow me? I mean, he had to acknowledge and he had to actively engage in that conversation. So he asked. He also listened. Look at verse 3. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. He listened. He was available. He asked, but then he didn't just ask. How many times you just ask, but you're not really listening? Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you ask, but you really don't want to know. You just ask. But he actually listened. He identified with the people and the problem. Sometimes we, don't, we, we, we ask, but we don't listen. And you've got to remember, he's, he's settled. He's comfortable. He has a good job. He don't need this. I mean, he, he doesn't need to engage in something. Why would he concern himself with this? 
But what happened is he got out of his comfort zone. I don't know about you, but a lot of times when you get out of your comfort zone is the times you get closest with your personal relationship with the Lord. Because now you're not doing it on your own merit. You're doing it on the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. How can I operate? Because when we stay in our comfort zone, we can, we can do things in our own power. We can do good stuff in our own flesh as long as we don't get outside of what we can't do in our flesh. So, so I'm up here, and I'm out of my comfort zone. So, so what I'm telling you is it helps if you stretch it on out there. Well, I've heard it said before, the, what, the, the, the biggest fruit's always out on the end of the limb or something like that. But anyway, he got out of his comfort zone. He asked. And he listened. We're talking about the makings of a leader. I don't know about you, but what I want to do when I hear a problem, when, when somebody comes to me, the first thing I want to do is what? Fix the problem. I mean, it's pretty simple. If you got a problem, I'm going to come up in about 10 minutes with two solutions that will help you fix the problem. A lot of times, fixing the problem, the problem's not the problem. The people are the problem. Ministry is all about the people serving the people. And, and too many times we're focused on the problem itself. So first, he, he communicated. And then secondly, look, he, he cared. And this is probably the main point of the whole sermon, is he cared. You know, a lot of times we can, we can ask. Sometimes we'll even listen. But do we really care? Do we actively do something after we've gathered the information? Do we take it beyond asking and listening? Do we care? Look at verse 4. So he hears this, this terrible report from his brother and some other men of Judah. So what does Nehemiah do? Well, good luck with that. Y'all have a nice day. Verse 4. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He wept, he mourned, he fasted and prayed. See, God wants us to be moved at a heart level instead of just a head level. There's a difference. There is a huge difference between me hearing something, hearing some news, knowing somebody has a need or needs some help. There's a huge difference between me acknowledging that in my mind and it affecting the way I think for two seconds than it does getting a burden on my heart which is going to cause me to do something about it. You see the difference? We're talking about the makings of a leader. Hey, he, he hadn't even started to build the wall yet. We're, we're seeing how he built the foundation, how he even got started. So the first thing he did is he communicated. The first thing he did, he showed that he cared. Because look, it's, it's not, about, not as much about the wall, but it's more about the people. We will never be motivated until we care. Before accomplishment, before endurance, before we start or even get started... We have to care. We have to care at the heart level, not at the head level. We can care with our lips, but not care with our heart. And when I was at the prayer advance, I'm going to be honest with you, 
You say, well, you shouldn't be up there telling and being truthful like this. Well, I think you should. Here's the truth. The truth is, you go around the room, hey, what, do you, what, what would you like for me to pray for you? I, I want to care. I want to care. I don't want to care with my mind. I don't want to care with my lips. I want to care at a heart level. Because until you care at a heart level, whatever impacts you is only... The level of impact we make is only going to be by what impacts us. If we're not impacted by anything, we're not going to change a whole lot. We're not going to impact others for the cause of Christ at all. So what did I do? I, I need to care. I need to care more. You say, well, you're a deacon. Well, that's a title. I'm a human. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I need to care. And I'm going to tell you, talking about answering prayers, the next day, man, I mean, the sky was bluer. The songs were good. Like, I, I think I even got up here and, and testified to this. I'm telling you, I could not get a cup of coffee without a tear rolling out my eye. I mean, I cared a lot about everything. Because I want to care. So, so Nehemiah, he cares. That's where it started, right there. He cares. We're all impacted differently. And you say, well, I'm not in a position per se, in a position where I can have a huge impact on others. Well, I think I've already said this. God has put us in different situations. In school, or at work, or on a team, or in your family. And we all have our thing, right? What's your thing? Who are the people that you can impact that I can't? That's what we got to figure out. What we always try to do is clip everybody together and say, well, you know, we, we, we can all... It's, it's the same message for everyone, and it absolutely is. But there's people that will accept that message from me that won't accept it from you. There's some people that will accept that message from you that will not accept it from me. Who are you impacting? A leader cares. Look at thirdly here. Now let's go back to fasting. Look what he did. He came to pass, and I heard these words, he sat down and he wept and he mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Do we need to hit on prayer right quick before we go? Hey, we got that. Prayer works. God answers prayer. No doubt about it. Fasting has the idea of, of denying ourselves of a physical appetite to heighten my hunger for God. Whatever that is, I'm going to skip that. Instead of, instead of satisfying my physical flesh, at that moment in time, I want to go to the Lord spiritually and say, hey, what do you want to do in my life at this particular point? Lord, search me. Know me. I, I, I want to know if there's any wicked way in me. Guide me. That, that's what fasting is. Fasting is denying yourself of a physical appetite to heighten your hunger for God. How can I be more one? How can I build my relationship? How can my vertical relationship get better with the Lord? And the Bible says some things only come by prayer and fasting. So what did he do? He, 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 he's moved, he's deeply moved by this, Nehemiah is. And he wept and he mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He was asking him, hey, what, what, what would you have me do? And, and if you look over at chapter 2, verse 1, 
And it came to pass in the month Nisan in the 20th year of that king. So what we're going to find out is that's like a four or five month process of Nehemiah mourning, fasting, and praying. This is a four or five month process. So he didn't just, oh, there's a problem. Oh, I have a solution. He didn't say, hey, I'm equipped. Let's go build. He, he, he searched and he, he sought out what God would have him to do instead of what he was able to do. There is a difference. And I don't know about you, and I know that in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God worked completely different than He does in, in my heart right now. He came on me and He came off me and it was temporary. I get all that, but I don't know about you, but if I heard this, this report and he had four or five months, and, and we all think when we read this, oh, Nehemiah, he was prayed up. I mean, he was, he was humbling himself, and, and he was just so spiritual. Well, what if he was like us? And just to be quite honest, we had four or five months to think about it. He may have been praying, and he may have been fasting, but do you think it was a little Roman 7 in there? Things I want to do, I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, that's exactly what I do, and, there, and there's a battle going on. Do you, think, do you think Nehemiah may have been going through that process instead of just humbling himself and, and, and saying, Lord, have me to do whatever you have me to do? Because that's what we do. That's real. That's real life. And you say, well, I don't really have that battle going on. Well, if you've been saved by the Spirit of God, there is a battle. And the battle's real. And you're going to feel the battle. And if you don't feel the battle that's going on inside your heart, I would check to see what you're relying on for your salvation. Because let's say, even if you think, man, I'm doing pretty good, I'm a good citizen, I'm doing what I need to do, James 4.17 says, he that, knoweth, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's what? To him it's sin. To him it's sin. So we're talking about the makings of a leader. He, he communicated. He asked. He was available. He cared. Thirdly, he confessed. Look at this. Begin, hey, and he's not even started to even gather the folks to build the wall yet. He confessed. Look at verses 5 through 7. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, mourned certain days and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven, verse 5, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night. For the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Hey, if we're ever going to lead, if we're ever going to make an impact, we have to communicate, we have to be available, we have to care. 
And then we've got to confess. Hey, we've got to agree with God. We've we, we got to understand that we've got to agree with our sin. Agree with God, yeah, that's sin. I need to get that out of my life. Confess it. Forsake it. Look what Nehemiah does here. Sometimes <clears throat> we just need to minister to the mirror. Some of the best sermons I've ever heard was in the mirror. Minister to the mirror. He owned it. Leaders are honest with themselves. You know, what? basically what Nehemiah is saying here is, look, I and my fathers have sinned. We have dealt corruptly against thee and not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. He's saying, hey, we're the reason that the walls are broken down. It's our fault. They're owning it. And you've got to remember, he's praying for other folks. He's confessing other people's sin. We're, we're pretty good at confessing others. It's ours we have a problem with. Ain't that right? He's confessing everybody's sin. He's saying, we're the reason. We, we, we're the ones that have the problem. And I heard at the prayer advance, this speaker, and some of y'all can uh, remember this. The speaker got up there and he, he said he was a, his, his church was struggling. and Anyway, he was building his church. Long story short, he, uh, he was preaching a sermon. And finally, on a Sunday morning, he said, there's this guy in the church that ever since he joined this church, I mean, he's drove me crazy. He, he, he's done nothing but cause problems. And I mean, no matter where he goes, it seems to be an issue. And so, I'm so tired of hearing about this guy, this guy, this guy. So tonight, at the PM service, I'm going to name that guy. I'm going to call him out by name. Because he's, he's causing so much issue publicly that I'm going, to, I'm going to call him out by name tonight at the PM service. So he said, came back to the PM. The place was packed, of course. Everybody, everybody came back to find out who this guy was. And the, the preacher got up there and he said, you know who this guy is? It's me. That's the guy that causes so much problem. And you know what the problem is with me and you? It's me. You know what the problem is with me and you? It's you. Because do you know we carry ourselves around with us wherever we go? And as long as, we got, as long as we're in the flesh, we're going to have a flesh problem. That's why Reformers Unanimous, I go back to that Steve Currington, I'm telling you right now, if we were ever get a hold of the fact that we have, we talked about it this morning in Sunday school, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of me. And if we really believed that, we would live a whole lot different. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of me. And if we yield to that power, that resurrection power, instead of what our flesh wants to do, we would all be better off. I don't know about you, but out of those three points, the confessing part, is my, that's my strong suit. I mean, that's, that's what I'm best at. You know why? Because I blow it a lot. I get a lot of practice at confessing. So we're talking about the makings of a leader. He communicated. He was available. Made himself available. He cared. He confessed. And then I want you to look here. He, he prayed specific. He pray, prayed specific. Look down at verse 11. Chapter 1, verse 11. O Lord, he's continuing in his prayer here, by the way. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now, 
thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and here's this specific prayer, and grant him, grant me, mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. You say, what's the big deal there? Hey, he's praying specifically. He knows there's going to come a time to where he's going to be before the king. And the king is going to see his countenance change. And all about you, if I'm the king, and I see a guy and his countenance has changed, I'm not eating that. I'm not drinking what he's about to give me. And matter of fact, it's punishable by death if you, in the sight of the king, if you have a sad countenance, you could be killed for that. So he, he knows that there's going to come a time when the king is going to ask him, what's wrong, Nehemiah? So he's going through this whole process and he prays, hey, I want you to grant me mercy in the sight of this king. And so eventually, it happened, obviously. But what you and I do sometimes is we pray, or what I do, we pray specifically, but we're nowhere near ready for the answer. The whole time Nehemiah's praying... Specifically, he's already planning ahead of when this prayer is answered, this is what I'm going to do. You say, what do you mean by that? Uh, look at chapter 2. Flip over to chapter 2. No, yeah, chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 5. Verse 5. Chapter 2, verse 5. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may rebuild, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be, and when will thou return? So it pleased the king to sit me, send me, and I set him a time. Look, he, he had prayed specifically, I want, to, I want you to grant mercy in the sight of this man because I'm his cupbearer. He's not going to like it, first of all, when he sees my countenance change. Second of all, he's definitely not going to like it when I tell him what, I want to, what I'm about to do or what I would like to do. So as soon as he asked the king, what's the king say? How long are you going to be gone? When are you coming back? And he had an answer. You see, he had prayed specific to grant mercy in the sight of the king. The king says yes, and then now what are you going to say? Lord, I, I really need this job. I, I would love for you to, to bless my family. I pray, I'm asking that you would give me an opportunity to do, and you fill in the blank. And then it happens. Do you have a plan? What's the next step? Nehemiah set him a time. And not only did he set him a time, he said, hey, moreover, I said unto the king, if it please the king, let there be letters given to me to the governors beyond the river. And he said, hey, why are you at it? Uh, go ahead and get me some letters together so I can have an escort because I'm, I'm going to get some opposition on the way. I'm just telling you here this morning to, to pray specifically and, and, and expect God to answer your prayer and then when He answers the prayer, have a plan for the next phase. The makings of a leader. So we know how it all wraps up. Nehemiah's prior, Nehemiah's, Nehemiah's prayer was answered and the king permitted him to go back and lead in the rebuilding of the walls. I want you to catch this if you don't catch anything else. Did Nehemiah build the walls? Nehemiah didn't build the walls. Nehemiah led in the rebuilding 
of the walls. God put it on him to be available. God put it on him to care. Put that burden on his heart. God called him to confess, get right. Now he's ready to lead and impact. But he's not out there impacting building the wall. He's impacting by what? Leading in the rebuilding of the wall. See, here's the thing. We're either leading in the rebuilding of the wall or we're building the wall. Who's more important? Both. Sometimes we forget that. Who's more important? The, the leader to rebuild the wall or the, or the people that are rebuilding the wall? You know, if you flip over in chapter 3, you don't have to go there, but I was like, man, this, this chapter, it's so hard to deal with. I mean, it talks about all these people and this one built this one and this one built this one. And it, it basically names all the people that were working on the wall. But there's one in there that says, I'm going to flip to it. Chapter 3, verse 5. And next, in the, next unto them, the Techiites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to work for their Lord. Hey, listen. You know what I got out of that? Not everybody's going to get on our program. And that's all right. You can lead. You can follow. You can make an impact. But not everybody's going to be on our program. But if you flip down to verse 27 of chapter 3, after them, the Techiites repaired another piece. Hey, if somebody won't do their part, guess what? Just go ahead and do twice as much, and it'll take care of their part. Anyway, that wasn't even in the sermon. That ain't even in my notes. He faced all sorts of opposition. That's a completely another message. But God brought their counsel to naught, the Bible says, in chapter 4, verse 15. The wall was built in 52 days. But here's the point I'm trying to take. Was Nehemiah such a great man? Absolutely not. Nehemiah was a... He was a cupbearer. How do we relate to that? He was a normal person. He punched a clock. He wasn't an evangelist. He wasn't a preacher. He, he was a normal person that went to work that every single day just like you and I do. We can relate to him. He was a normal... He was an extraordinary man, but he, he, he served an extraordinary God. That's, a, that, that's who Nehemiah was. Great leaders will always point you to the Lord. Nehemiah basically said, Look, it's not me, but the God I serve. Look at chapter 2, verse 18. 17 and 18. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. Then said I unto them. This is after they had, Nehemiah had went out. He'd done his inspection of the walls when he got there. By the way, when he got there, he didn't get to go do the inspection. It was like three or four days before he even went out to do the inspection. What was he doing at that time? I have no idea. All I'm telling you is, he was in tune with what the Lord had for his life. Verse 17, 18. Then I said unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. And here's why. Verse 18. See, this whole time, Nehemiah... Have you noticed there's no specific call on his life? It's, like, it's not like Moses in the burning bush. It's not like Samuel out of his sleep. It's not like... Uh, the disciples mending their nets, and Jesus said, come follow me. 
I don't know about you, but we got, we got to figure some stuff out. We, we are much like Nehemiah where we have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit's leading in our life and make decisions on that. Verse 18, Then told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Right here, Nehemiah is telling them, Look, you know, I, I was available. I cared. I had a burden. I confessed some sin and everybody else's sin. But don't worry about it because it's not about me, it's about the God I serve. So what happened? When the leader got in line with what God had him to do, who he wanted him to impact, look what the ripples did. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. That's a pep rally right there. Great leaders will always point you to the Lord. Just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as what? As I follow Christ. You say, well, I can't do that. I really can't live that life. I'm going to be honest with you, you can't. And my favorite verse is Galatians 2.20. It's not up to us. It's not up to us. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. See, way back at the beginning of the sermon, I said, hey, if you've accepted Christ to save you, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. All we got to do is let the Holy Spirit work. Instead of us suppressing, all we have to do is the yielding. And so you're right. You can't live it. We can't do enough good things. We can't be a great citizen. We, we can't vote right. We can't make enough money. We, no matter what we do, we're going we're gonna to come short because the Bible says for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. And there's none righteous, no, not one. But the Bible also says, that Thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in thine heart that God raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Listen, I don't know what impacts you this morning. I don't know who you're leading I don't know what ripple effect you're making. But I can tell you this. I want to do what the Lord would have me to do. You know, one of the things I wrote down in my Bible is I'm tired of living by the fear of man. And I'm going to praise the Lord more instead of less. And I'm going to allow the Lord to work where in the past I suppressed Him. And I, and I want those same people to say, hey, this is what you used to do. This is what you used to be. And that's fine with that because God is greater. God's grace is greater than all my sin. And I thank the Lord that He, he saved my soul and, and He give me, He's long-suffering. He's given me a chance to work for Him and to make ripples for Him and, and to lead and to follow. You know, a great leader is a great follower. You've got to be a great follower before you can be a great leader. Who are you impacting this morning? I'm going to leave you with this. As far as making an impact, many of you have probably heard of the story of United Flight 93, Todd Beamer. On 9-11, they had already heard over radio communications that the plane had hit the towers. And this was on the plane that went down in, in the field in Pennsylvania. And they have radio 
recordings and traffic that the hijackers had, had taken over the cockpit. And so Todd Beamer and a group of others decided they had to go into action. They had to do something. They wanted to make an impact. So here's what they did. They huddled together. They decided they were going to rush the cockpit, try to regain control. And so they got together and Todd Beamer recited the Lord's Prayer. He read Psalm 23. And then what did he say? He said, let's roll. Let's roll. I don't know about you, but I would like to think that I have enough gumption and enough yielding of what the Lord wants him to do in my life to have that same mindset and get on mission for God. Instead of going through the motions, I think we should just get on a mission. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as Savior, listen, those songs we sang about the blood of Jesus earlier, let me tell you, Everything, you can talk about Nehemiah, you can talk about all kinds of stuff in the Bible, and we talked about it in young adults class this morning. All that matters if you've never accepted Christ as Savior is that you understand one principle. And that principle is this, that truth is this, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. No matter, on your best day, on your best day, we're still a sinner separated from a holy and just God, and, 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 and we're on our way to hell. But there's hope. There's hope, and His name is Jesus Christ. And God sent His only begotten Son to, to, to die for our sin. And not only did He die, but He was buried. And then not only was He buried, but He rose again, because that's that resurrecting power that lives inside of me. And all you have to do, the Bible says, to be saved from that eternal separation and from that place called hell is accept that message, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As a piano player comes to play, I, I don't know what you're, what's going through your mind this morning. I don't know if, if the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart, and, and you don't do it for me, you don't do it for your family. It's personal. It's not your family's gospel. It's not your parents' gospel. It's, it's not a church gospel. It's not a denominational. It's, it's the only gospel. And I pray if you haven't, accepted Christ as Savior, you would do that today. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your many blessings, Lord. Lord, thank You for salvation. Lord, thank You for the opportunity You've given today, God. And I just pray that there's somebody here that don't know You as Lord and Savior. I pray they would just put down the pride. Just let it go. And look to You this morning, God. Pray for the other folks here, if they're Christians, Lord, I just pray that they would evaluate what kind of impact they're making. What kind of leader are they? What kind of follower are they? I pray that we would just be conformed to your image. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you